You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I'm Matt, the vocalist from Cryptops Scene. You're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. This is another Spotlight on Redefining Darkness Records episode. I'm so proud to have started to shine some light on extreme music record labels. I love having the ability to share music with all you guys. Super Stoked Redefining Darkness is an absolute gem of a record label ran by an amazing human called Thomas Today, I am very, very proud to play you a track by an amazing band called Oxygen Destroyer. This is their track, Onslaught of Precambrian Hordes, taken from their record, Bestial Manifestations of Malevolence and Death, which they have just released, a remastered version via Redefining Darkness Records earlier this year. Here it is, turn up to 11, enjoy the brutality of Oxygen Destroyer. that was great i love that i love the old school vibes i love this old school death metal resurgence that's happening from the production to the riffs to the vocals i'm a huge fan of this i'm so stoked that this is happening and oxygen destroyer are just killing it so go support extreme underground metal go support oxygen destroyer i have put all of their pertinent links in the description of this podcast you should go and support them Speaking about supporting extreme music right now until the end of the month, because I am doing the spotlight on redefining darkness records, we have set up a promo code, which you can use on their Bandcamp page. I have put the link for that in the description of this podcast as well. The promo code is valid for all vinyls, CDs, and cassettes, which are purchased on the redefining darkness records Bandcamp page. When you're checking out, simply use the code VOXENHOFS, that is V-O-X ampersand H-O-P-S, and you will get 15% off of all of your vinyl, cassette, and CD purchases. 
you should go do that. It's very important to support extreme music. On today's episode, I am with Gabriel McCary of Blight. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 148. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Gabriel McCary from Blight, uh, ex-vocalist of Ion Dissonance. It is uh, great to be with you. It's been a long, long time that we haven't seen each other, and it's funny that it uh, comes to times like this that we get together after many, many, many years of of having seen each other. Yeah, yeah, very true, man. I'm super happy to be on the podcast. I mean, fuck, I mean, like extreme metal and beer, I mean, perfect combination. I mean, I was hooked from the get-go. Uh, actually, you would have had books to this, and you pretty much cover all bases for me and my, as far as like my worldly interests go. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty good. Let's uh, just touch on uh, the history of everything. Uh, what uh, you you being from Montreal, I remember when Three Mile Scream, my band before Cryptopsy, was uh, yeah up and running. Uh, Ion Dissonance was was such such a, a hot band, influential. How how did it feel to leave that band? Oh man, the the, the hard question from, from you know from the onset. All right, uh, to feel the band felt like shit. I mean, um, yeah, I won't I won't lie. I mean, at the moment, you know, like of course I had like plenty of time to reflect on that, but you know, back then it felt more like a, almost like an obligation. Of course, it's an obligation I had to ponder on you know on and on. I kept on going back to. Because, you know, for the better part of the last year I was in a band, I was contemplating leaving, you know, at many different instances. But it was a mix of so many things. There was a few things that was more on the personal side of things, you know, with the girlfriend back then. And it was getting harder and harder on us, you know, uh, as a couple, you know, for me to leave for for such an extended period of time. But I would have never, like, uh, sacrificed this, as, as cold as that may sound, I would have never sacrificed this for any relationship beside that it was a long running one like uh, we were together for several years but it's it's um it was that combined with the fact that the, the actual weight of touring was actually like uh, pushing all of us to have a weird relationship it was, it was kind of like a more of a dysfunctional family at the end i had fun with some of the members some of them not so much and um th- there was a gap there kind of like happening and um and uh, th- there was a few things as far as like the band itself and the concept of the band, uh, we we all wanted, myself included, wanting to move into a, a different musical direction with the third album that was like uh, being composed at the time. But uh, as, as much as like it seemed like a good idea to go a route that it was more groovy and more kind of like I don't know breakdown uh, stuff like that for people to react live because a lot of people were looking at us uh, as if we were like with deers in the headlights, you know, like just like not fucking understanding like a thing that was happening. And that was pretty much intentional and that was good. But, uh, but yeah, we wanted to do, you know, something a, a tad different. And I had like such a great concept for the album too. I mean, like lyrically speaking, I was like, I was, you know, looking for something completely out of the norm. So that was, that was great. But at the same time, uh, it felt less and less like me because I joined I understand this because it was this crazy entity or this complete insane manic fucking like I, I know uh, kind of like borderline serial killer you know type music you know so I really enjoyed that because it was very obscure but uh, but you know if we were going the other route I wouldn't see myself being comfortable being the the the, the crowd pleaser the entertainer that's not part of my persona on stage so I was like ah. Uh, all right, so so all these things combined kind of like got me to like look. The biggest show I think I did was not that big. I think it was like maybe like a festival or something like that, maybe three thousand person or some people uh, in the audience maximum. And, and I still, I was like, well, from that point on, it's pretty much you know rinse and repeat, right? It's like whether you have ten thousand peer person in front of you or less than that doesn't really matter. I think I did it. So I was like, you know, might as well, might as well leave on a high note. And I thought Solace, Solace was that high note, beside the fact that the sound, it sounds horrible in album. Like, <laughs> fuck, the production's like, ugh, like it's one of the least favorite album 
that I ever was on because of the sound, but not because of the music, because the music is still pretty much dear to me, you know, and close to my heart. So that's pretty much it, man. So yeah, it felt like shit. It felt like shit because back then, uh, being in a band defined a lot of my personality, be, be, defined a lot of like who I was as a person. And that was completely illusory. Uh, it's kind of like you put on a shirt in the morning and then you would identify with the shirt, forget it, that there's something underneath the shirt. <laughs> so I was like, and I was like, no. Uh, and actually it was funny because it, it impacted everything else because, you know, long story short, that, that relationship I talked to you about actually ended after I was not in the band. And uh, and whenever I was like starting dating again or something like that, I would refrain from talking about my musical past. I would refrain from talking about the fact that I, you know, did like several hundred shows that, you know, I toured all the time and, you know, did albums and all of that. It wasn't part of, you know, anything I wanted to put on the table. You know, I wanted to turn a, a, a new leaf, so to speak, in my life. And sure enough, music came back with a vengeance, of course. <laughs> no, you can't keep away that secret love. <laughs> oh, no. No, you can't. Do you remember that last show? And when you went into the last show, was it in your mind and you knew it was the last show? Yeah, I, I knew it uh, so much, actually, that secretly, secretly, kind of like uh, uh, we had like, um, you know, we had a good friend who was like um, uh, doing the um, the merch, you know, for us and kind of driving the, ra- the van. Uh, and like he had a pretty good vocal, you know, like he had amazing vocals. And actually, once in a while, he would leave like the merch table and just hop on stage and just fucking kill it, you know, like and I was all exhausted, you know, <laughs> after I don't know, like how many shows. And I was like, motherfucker, and, like, give me back that mic, you know, like it was like he was doing like a good job on our song. So so I think it's the, he's the first guy one one day when it was a particularly hard day, I guess, on all of us. And I was took him aside and I, I actually asked him if he wanted to like replace me. And he couldn't at the time for many reasons. But beside that. I remember that uh, I decided prior to leaving to that last full tour, full U.S. tour, I think it was a month and a half with maybe like a day off, like just 45 days in a row, something like that, something stupid anyway. And uh, I, I, I distinctly remember I was like, OK, this is it. This is going to be my, my last tour. I'm going to tell the guys after the tour is done. And, and uh, that's it. Um, I also told my then girlfriend. Uh, she, she was aware of that. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a super hard, I don't know if it was like the mindset I was in, it was a very hard tour, you know, uh, because of that. And then uh, when I arrived and we did the California Metal Fest uh, in Los Angeles, uh, we, I don't know, it was such a good show, it was just an, an amazing show, you know, like I think we were playing just before or after Origin and couple of other guys we knew and you know it was it was just a fucking blast man blast of a show good reception and uh and after that we were all invited to uh, two of our good friends and the both of them were living in a small apartment and we're always like partying at their place you know having a blast and uh after that show the following morning after we did the party and had a like a good fun time i just sat down with the guys like eating breakfast and i was like you know you know, this is, this is it, you know, I'm done with the band. And, and I told them then that I didn't want to do that while we were at a height of say an argument together or that we're, you know, like all flustered up and kind of like excited because something bad was happening. So I was like, no, this is not going to be a decision I'm making because something bad happened, you know, like it's this, this is wall tied out. Like I thought about it for a long time. So, so I wanted to be like clean and clear, you know, so so that was it. At the time, of course, like the reception was like more than lukewarm. My because you know we had a lot of like other tours planned and other plans. So they were like, "What the fuck are we gonna do in the meantime?" And sure enough, as soon as we came back home, uh, also there was a tour that they were. They asked me initially. It was like, "Okay, well, can you at least do this that last leg?" You know, that was in Canada. I think it was like an extra week or something like that. And I was like, "Yeah, I prefer not, but if it needs to be, sure." And, you know, be completely transparent here. There was a huge problem with Iron Dissonance back in those days. And that was the money, of course. Like money was completely idiotically like we didn't know what to do with the money. And and, uh, we couldn't secure any type of like a good cash out of that, not even to pay for basic expense and something like that. But most of the guys 
we're fortunate enough to say have like I don't know like uh, roommates or or at least like most of them were living with their parents actually.、Uh, I was the only one who was like completely independent and didn't have that option in my back pocket.、Uh, so so that was always a problem. I was always broke, having to leave apartment in the middle of the night. I did that, you know, having my dr- my drummer like、uh, fucking Jean Jean just coming to my place in the middle of the night. Packing the van of the band and just fucking wow, leaving、okay. without never being seen again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're we're joking sometimes about that because I was always leaving stuff behind, whether it be like just a couple of CDs or whatever. Like, and, and it was like you know, like I'm I'm more used to seeing your stuff than I do mine. <laughs> It's like yeah, man. It's completely stupid. So I I yeah. So so、uh, because of that, I I just decided not to do that last leg and. Uh, it was a thing back then, but、uh, me and Alex were the roommates.、Uh, you know, after the whole Iron Dissonance thing,、uh, Alex from Despise Icon, of course, and、uh, we we had like switched place a few times. Like I replaced him. Like I did like、uh, a week of tour where I was like doing vocals for for Despise Icon, doing Alex's you know vocals, and actually did the opposite one time. <laughs> I remember I did the opposite for a few days. I did I replaced Steve and、uh, Despise Icon for a few shows as well. And, and and then so he just like went okay I'm gonna do it you know um、uh. so he did he did the Canadian yeah yeah he did like a week and he he came back and was like man I don't fucking understand <laughs> none of your lyrics I don't understand how you fucking do it. <laughs> and it was like it was like I didn't like I didn't care people were just like moshing and I would like just throw the mic to them and was like just, <laughs> yeah do what you have to do yeah huge shout out to Alex Vox、uh, and Ops alumni. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out、uh, with metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Today, I am going to be drinking Echo Session Ales Hazy Session IPA. This clocks in at three point nine percent. I'm a huge fan of Echo Session Ales, and a big shout out to JF Lejeunesse for hooking me up with some of their brews, so that I can conduct these interviews here and drink them while you guys drink something else. So, so what are you drinking? Well,、uh, right now I'm drinking、um, Solution IPA from、uh, Talbot. It's actually like it's pretty high in percentage. I didn't see that. Seven <laughs> percent. Yeah, right on, right on. And middle of the afternoon. All right, cool.、Uh, well, anyway, whatever pandemic and all that shit. So who cares? But yeah, I got no. I'm, I'm in pretty good com- company. I mean, I used for the first time. I don't know if I do. I should do a shout, shout out about that or something. But I will anyway.、Uh, I use a service called、uh, Vutun Biya. Same. I got my I got my delivery yesterday. That's funny. There you go. Yeah, like I, I didn't even know that thing existed. My girlfriend、uh, found found the, the the thing, and I was like, when I knew,、uh, I had a couple of things planned. Like we did one of these, you know, Zoom thing with um with my band to celebrate <laughs> the upcoming album. We're gonna get to that, but we couldn't meet, right? So we we cheered, you know, over over you know like this online.、Uh, so I had I had to have a few good beers. So I bought like some. Some good、uh, hypa from、uh, you know Brasserie Bar Canada. I got some I got some hypies and all rest, of course, you know from Boreal. So pretty good stuff. I'm taking. Good, you're you're stocked up. Cheers! Thank you so much for coming and sharing a beer with me virtually. Cheers, man. Yeah. Oh, to you. I mean, I love the podcast. I mean,、uh, I listen to it whenever I can, just like while working in the background. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much.、Uh, I wanted to touch on、uh, you. Growing up, what was the the soundtrack of your youth? When you were in your parents or guardians' home, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? <laughs>、uh, I'd say that'd be my mom,、uh, just because she had the custody of the children.、Uh, we would see my dad once in a while, but yeah, his musical taste I, I don't I don't quite remember. I, then again, they had pretty similar taste, I think. But yeah, I, what was playing in my my in the household could range from. From one extreme to the next, actually, my mother was super open musically. She would,、uh, she would play some some you know French crooner type music like Charles Aznavour, which is still one of my favorite as well.、Uh, to like Cat Stevens, I don't know Genesis. Genesis was a big thing. She one of her favorite, the David Bowie, same thing.、Uh, all all you know bands and things that nowadays, in retrospect, I absolutely adore as well. And but she would go also the route of like we would have like vinyls from. Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, even she she saw Iron Maiden a, f- a few good times. She went to see like、uh, Power Slave tours and all that good stuff when they were like at the height of, you know,、uh, of their popularity. And、uh, 
I guess, uh, back then. And she, she saw that and she, she loved it. She, she loved the music. She was also playing piano. So that got me into some uh, of the classical stuff, kind of like, um, uh, you know, one of my favorite classical artists is Eric Satie. You know, I don't know if you know the piece uh, Les Nausiennes. Uh, she was playing that once in a while and that became uh, one of the pieces I love the most. So yeah, I think I think I got that from her. That is that that open-mindedness to music, uh, even though she, you know she never played professionally speaking. Uh, she was in choirs and stuff like that, but she never played professionally. But I, I think it runs in the family that interest. Yeah. Let's touch on Blight. This is your new project, uh, recorded by a good friend of mine, Mr. Dom Grimaud, ex uh, The Last Felony. Uh, session cryptopsy bassist. Uh, I haven't seen you in a long time. I miss your brother. I hope you're listening. Cheers. Uh, so let, let's touch on uh, how did this all come together? It's, it's a question that I hate to answer, but it's a young band, so I'm curious. Uh, yeah, well, it's young and it's an old band at the same time. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird thing. Um, so, okay, so I, I'm going to have to backtrack on this. You know, like, um, uh, so back in the 90s and the 90s, I was, yeah, like I said, I was in this band, Unquintessence. But say even a few months before it was even, even uh, before we came up with the name Unquintessence, it, it, it existed under different other pseudonyms and names. And uh, it was like, and it was, you know, just a couple of guys just jamming in a basement. I don't think we even had like a drummer at back then, uh, something like that. But in college, yeah, that was my first year of college. I met uh, I met a guy who worked there, who worked at the gym at the college. So he wasn't like one of the students. He was a bit older than me. And uh, he saw me wearing a black metal shirt. And he came up to me and was like, oh, you know, this is a rare thing here. So he wanted, to, he wanted us to be friends, I guess. So we started talking metal. And then it was like, oh, you know, listen to this and listen to that. And we started like trading tapes as, as it was the norm back then. So we started, just, you know, trading tapes and, and, and all that good stuff. And uh, he was making me discover a, a few bands. I was making him discover bands as well. And he was like, you should come, you know, uh, to my show. I was like, well, you're, you're part of a band. It's like, yeah, like it's, it's called Antasan. And Antasan like, uh, was a black death metal band that was pretty active back then, you know, in the 90s, uh, the beginning of 2000s in the local scene. And so I remember uh, going to the show. At, it was the old, like, uh, Café Chaos. Yes. You know, though, yeah. And, and um, I remember, like, uh, I, I walked to the venue and I saw them all outside. They were waiting uh, for their turn to play. And I remember just seeing them was kind of, like, made an impression because they were all, like, you know, super tall dudes, a super, yeah, beef, muscular. And kind of, like, I don't know, they looked like the fucking dancing of, like, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, uh, of black metal with huge like upside down cross uh, on their necks and, and I was like okay so and, and the music and it was pretty brutal and it was pretty different and I, I was really digging it I was like oh you know like uh, you know w w once I get a good drummer and you know I get this thing started we should totally hook up and do some shows together and so like yeah and, and of course Inquintessence was all about like pure destruction and super violent stuff right there was blast beat nonstop. So when we finally did, not even a couple of months afterward, we, we, we in, you know, acted on that plan and kind of like, so I did a series of shows at Lex and a couple of other places called Structures of, of Obscurity back then, like that I booked myself actually with Antasan and other uh, extreme metal acts. And we did a couple of these shows and they were all like great success actually. And these guys... We stayed friend as in like comrades of the scene, so to speak, you know, for, for the longest time. And um, especially like two of them, Pascal and Rob, who are now the guitar player and the drummer of Blight. Uh, and the, the, I would see these guys around in bars and we would cheer. And, I, I, you know, when I was in my, uh, the band I had after Iron Dissonance, the black and roll band called Vatican, uh, yes. there were... You know, they were they were at my shows like most of the time I would see them like Pascal is fucking, I don't know, six foot six or seven. And I don't know he's fucking he's fucking <laughs> too tall for his own good. Anyway, like he's a he's a tower of a dude. Like uh, so you can see him in every crowd. And uh, so it was like <laughs> so I was constantly seeing them. So I was like, OK. And, uh, you know, they were very supportive. And, and they were back in back then. They were they, they were trying to do this this math course slash 
black metal thing called Insect. They were in a band called Insect. I don't know if you remember that. Um, so yeah, we, we were good comrades. Uh, but you know, when when Vatican was about to die, and actually it did die for a moment. You know, there was a couple of situations that happened that got me in contact with Rob, who wanted to step in and do the, the drums because we no longer had a drummer. Because our uh, our first drummer, Vincent, is Vincent from Dope Throne that you interviewed. You know, he was he was he was a drummer in. in uh, well, actually, the funny thing is, I've known these guys since high school. Right. Like Vincent from Dope Throne, you, uh, you know, was one of my friends in high school. So is Victor. Uh, the the bass player from Dope Throne. These two guys are like one of my oldest friends in Montreal. But, you know, so the, uh, he was part of Vatican. So when he left or when it happened that he left, like Rob, uh, who was, you know, uh, wanted to step in to do to do like material, Vatican material that was yet to be recorded. And so we did that. And it was an EP that never saw the light of day as a physical release. But we eventually put it online for free. Uh, and that's how we kind of like met yet again, let's say, uh, and, and formed like a new alliance. It was like, you know, it's, it's a shame like Vatican is, is, is dead and we can't do shit about it. And actually for, for a moment, I remember your, 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 your actual bass player, like, uh, uh, jammed with us, you know, just to kick, to kickstart Vatican again. Really? And it did not. Yeah. 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 For, for a very, very short amount of time, just prior to, to him join Cryptopsy actually. And as really? soon as we did, yeah. And as soon as we did, we were like, "Okay, that you know, we're never, we're never gonna see that dude again." <laughs> He's a busy guy. He's in many projects. Shout out to Ollie. Very, very busy. Exactly. So, anyway, so so that happened, and I, you know, Vatican was pretty much very much dead the second time around, and and then he was like, "Well, you know, you, you kind of know the other guys, you know, with whom I'm jamming, and we don't have any name anymore." We, 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 you know, we flushed the entire core thing because it's not us. It's never been us. We want to go back at more of the roots of what Antason was and, and, you know, kind of like keep it straight up black metal that time around. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can dig that. And instead of like going again and find a new name, find a new concept, I kind of revived one that was already on the back burner because the initial guitar player for Vatican had a side project with me. We would just get wasted, not on craft beer. <laughs> back then, craft beer, craft beer was still not a thing back then. Uh, but we, we, we were getting wasted, and he had the means to kind of record like very shitty sounding black metal. And we would just jam, you know, like I'm not a guitar player, but I would still come up with riffs, and he would play them actually well, well enough to record. And we would just like jam songs, just pump them out. And we did a couple of like tape releases, like very underground stuff, you know, for, for the very like uh, for the black metal aficionados out there who love their 90s vibe, you know, the nostalgia. So we did a couple of these releases, cassette release. And, and I was like, you know, that band never went anywhere, never did anything. And it died for the exact same reason Vatican died, um, you know, and I lost contact with that guy. So, so reviving the uh, uh, having a new band new members i was like you know but i, I kind of like the name blight uh and you know why start something new i was like i kind of liked the conceptual direction also that i was taking with this band so i was like we should do that but just better you know and kind of like you know started afresh and so they all accepted you know my offer quote unquote my offer and um and yeah from that point on we started jamming together but that was back in fuck I think 2011, 2012. That was a long time ago. When you think about it now, it just it just so happened that when we started jamming, it took like it took us the longest time before we got into the groove of working together. We all had like very very different backgrounds and very much different approach, and uh, and and we were like kind of, kind of like we were unsure what we wanted to do. I even remember, I specifically remember back in the days that just be. Because some of the more immediate raw energy of, say, hardcore music was still in the background for me because I was used, you know, I was used to it. So, you know, kind of with Iron Dissonance, I, I, I knew I wanted maybe like a sound that was close to like, say, How Big Must Die. I don't know if you know that band, you know, something like that, something that would sound like uh, like black metal, but that would have this, I hate to use that term, but more... American touch, I guess, you know, kind of like in the immediacy of the 
of the beats and rhythm and the, the aggressiveness. Um, but the other guys weren't digging it. We were trying, but it wasn't working. It was kind of like, it was hit or miss most times on the composition. So we managed to get two songs out just to say, hey, we exist. And we put that on Bandcamp and it was a demo called Death Reborn. And, um, and when we did, it was just enough so we could start doing shows. Because we had like maybe five songs, you know, uh, so we could do like small shows like uh, opening bands. So we did a couple of shows just just on the back of that two song demo alone. And we were telling people to just go to Bandcamp and download the songs. So we started working on new material. But like I said, we've never been a band who were pressured into into, you know, just pumping out music. I mean, like we're we're older guys. We all been part of bands who toured a lot, who did that life and weren't really interested in going back that route again. And we all had different kind of like business ventures. And, you know, you know uh, one of them even has kids now. Uh, so, of course, it was it was kind of like out of the question. So we just like we just we just uh, like wrote material at our own pace, which was way <laughs> we, t- we took fucking forever each time. So we did like an other kind of like five song EP called The Teachings in 2015. And uh, it got released. It had a physical release. It, at first, same thing, pretty much, pretty much free to download on Bandcamp. And then a couple of underground labels asked us, you know, could we put like all your seven songs together and kind of like do a limited tape release? Okay, sure, you can do that. Then another like like a little small a small label said like, can we do a CD release? Uh, sure, you know why not? You know, like it was kind of like just giving away material and just l- let it live in the world. And um, but right after the teachings, that's when the new material that we started composing was definitely more our sound. It felt more as it it really came together as being like, wow, okay, I didn't I didn't know this was gonna turn out this way. So what the fuck could we do with that, right? So uh, I don't know, and it was it felt at this point it felt so long, and my whole journey, you know, in metal you know, quote unquote journey, I guess, but started rough. The first thing I ever recorded was in 99. I mean, professionally recorded, like uh, in a studio. Uh, that was that was the, the five song EP of Unquintessence that was out on Gala Records. That was the first time I was in, in a studio. I did a couple of demos back, you know, before that and stuff recording with just like a, just a general boombox recording, like the entire room or something, you know. But nothing, you know, so quote unquote, pseudo professional. So after like, you know, several kind of like releases, albums and whatnot, uh, you know, we were approaching the almost the 20 year mark of me being active in the scene, you know, at different points and instances with different bands. And I've always been very present. You know, at one time I was designing a lot of merch, you know, you remember uh, merch albums uh, for, for local bands. I was writing lyrics for bands left and right, just like... Really? See, that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just random, you know, or, or just like doing every, what we did with, uh, you know, your, uh, on the Cretaceous album with Anoint the Dead, you know, like, uh, just like coming in with a few, you know, lyrics and sometimes just lending in my vocals as well, if the, you know, if I was invited. So I, I kind of kept it, you know, fresh that way. That is true. It's good to mention. I think you're the only guest that's ever been on a Cryptopsy record, aside from having oh, Lord Gordon come back and stuff. Oh, I think, I think, I think truly, I think you're the only guest that we've ever had. That's amazing. And how that came together, I was, I was so fucking happy and humble because... Uh, you know, my love story with Cryptopsy would, and I think any fucking kid who has pretty much my age, not a kid anymore. I'm almost, I'm almost 40, uh, <laughs> in a few months. But anyway, uh, anyone who grew up, I remember, I distinctly remember that, the, you know, of course, you know, uh, in high school, I was listening to like Slayer, Sepultura, Pantera, you know, all that good stuff. And, uh, and eventually that got me to discover gems like necrophobic, you know, nocturnal silence and, you know, the darker stuff. And, and that really got me into extreme metal. But I was way too young. I think I was like 14 or 15 when uh, we were at a party and a, a dude just like um, was jamming like Slayer riffs on a guitar. And we were like, wow, you can play this. And we we're all, all in awe, right? Just because we had like, 
yeah, at 14 year old to see like an older guy, you know, with long hair at a party who was able to jam these tunes. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, yeah, but you've heard nothing if that's the only thing you're listening to. I was like, what is there that's more violent than, than Slayer, you know? He gave us a tape and on it, there was like some cannibal corpse stuff, like Morbid Angel, Deicide, Suffocation, of course, and Cryptopsy, you know, like there was, and I, I specifically remember the song also, it, it's Swine of the Cross on on, on Blasphemy Made Flesh. Uh, and uh, yet again, I really don't want to sound disrespectful, but back then, being a kid who was only exposed to a certain type of metal and earlier than that, alternative rock, you know, Stone Temple Pilot and all that good stuff that I used to love back then, actually. I uh, still do, you know, some, some of them I still do. But, but you know, that particular song, we loved the music. We we're like, whoa, this is fucking like insane. But the vocals were like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> we couldn't like, we couldn't make any of it. It didn't make any sense. It's, it really much like felt like um, a barking dog of sorts, you know, like even of the, you know, of the deeper sort, we, this one really stood out. But as it developed, as our taste buds in the, in the old jar developed and we discovered Nile and the other, like, yeah, man, Cryptopsy became like something we, like, that was among top notch kind of like bands we wanted to go see each time we could, you know, we had the occasion to see live and all that. I got, got so many stories in these days, even meeting like past members and all of that. But how that came together, that, that whole contribution, it, it's really because uh, when they were looking for a singer uh, after Laurel Worm departed, they were looking around for just like who who else was in an extreme metal band in, in, in the scene that could potentially uh, fill these enormous shoes, you know, as if that's an easy thing to do. And, and, and kind of like uh, also have no criminal records. I remember they told me about that. No criminal records. So you could like uh, cross the borders without any problem. And, and that had like somewhat of a recording and a, of a stage presence enough, you know, that you could pull it off. So I remember talking uh, with the guys about it and they approached me uh, for this. But that that wasn't uh, that was short lived because I was still very active in Iron Dissonance when they, they approached me to do that. And I knew that was going to be a problem. And the idea to join a band uh, that I wholly respect and I love the material, but at the same time, I was building my own stuff with Ion Descendants and things were picking up and things were looking good. Uh, we were on the rise. So it was like, I, I, and I didn't see myself kind of like trying to, to, to emulate somebody else's sound vocally and all of that. But I remember we went to the fifth once and uh, I met with Flo and a couple of the other guys. And one thing that really went, okay, no, this is not for me. His he mentioned, I, I, can you like do clean singing? I was like, what do you mean clean singing? And, and, and just the question alone, you know, coming from the drummer of Cryptopsy, I was like, really? <laughs> what the fuck? Why? Uh, and, and it was like, yeah, can you know? And I remember, I think he, he, he talked about Queen of the Stone Age. I think he did. Like, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's something that stuck in my mind. I was like, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I just fucking walked off or something. Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, but but I, I, you know, I remain good friends. You know, with uh, with Chris, you know, your guitar player, and and and, uh, and you know, Chris, we met because he he toured with us once. You know, being a roadie. So yes, yes, uh, Josh Homie Flo definitely enjoys his vocals. And if it wasn't for that horrible, horrible idea, I wouldn't be the singer of Cryptopsy. Yeah. So, so I'm still grateful from yep. for for Flo's crazy ideas, mm-hmm. innovative ideas, because you know everyone's got clean vocals in death metal right now. What the fuck, man? I mean, like I I know that that album got a lot of like flack, but y- you fucking pulled it off, man. That's w- that's one thing. Like I remember when I heard it, I was like, fucking kudos to that guy, man. Seriously, I was like, because I knew it. You know, I knew it was coming. And I, I couldn't envision it, but I was like, oh, I was very impressed. So, yeah. Uh, Chris has told me this story, and I'd like to hear it from the, the other side. He he was yeah. doing merch for you on a Canadian tour. Yeah. And you guys kicked him off the tour in Vancouver, and he had to get a bus ride home, which <laughs> took days. What What is your side of that story? <laughs> I can imagine knowing knowing Donaldson and and I've spoken to him about this so I I can say this he would not be a good merch person (laughs) 
<laughs> ah, I, I don't know that, man. Uh, I, you know, it would be so disingenuous for, of me to like say otherwise. It, th this is pretty much in a nutshell exactly what happened. Uh, as to why this happened, that would be that would be a gray zone. I will not completely go into because I had no play in it. I had absolutely no part of it. That's also one of the reasons why Chris never had any problem kind of like inviting me back to his home, inviting me back on recordings. And, you know, like we, 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 we always had kind of like a good relationship nonetheless. And on tour, we had like a lot of fun. But, you know, you know how tour are. Sometimes like people get on each other's nerves, right? And, um, you know, maybe at, at several points... At several points, we were all getting each other's nerves, but we couldn't kick ourselves out because we were part of the band. And I, I think that's one of these instances where what happened is, uh, for X reason, it was decided that we were, we no longer required uh, a roadie on that tour. And like I said, like I told you, the money thing was always kind of like super mishandled and and uh, not understood correctly and not managed correctly. So. So we like some of the of us like decided that it was a better move to kind of like just send him home, you know, when we were like in fucking Vancouver <laughs> of all places. And, and I remember not wanting to participate in that like decision at all. Right? I, I completely stepped out of the argument. I was like, nope, you know, I'm not gonna partake, not gonna uh, put my foot in, you know, and wait in. I just remember this super fucking awkward discussion in the van when that happened. And I was like, fuck, I can't believe we're actually doing that. And sure enough, like pretty much all of us, I think we, we kind of felt bad about it. But um, but yeah, from his standpoint, I completely understand why he would be pissed <laughs> off and hold a grudge. I mean, I wouldn't have in any other way, actually. So when we did meet again, that was because... I was invited to do, uh, you know, back, background vocals and, and feature vocals on some of the, the Spice Icon albums. Actually, I did so for like two or three albums. Um, and when I did, you know, we were always doing this as Chris's place. So kind of like we got talking again and we realized that, you know, we're all doing what we could. And, you know, and he's good at his craft, you know, and he respected what I was doing You know, on my side and he always had a, like a blast kind of like recording my vocals i you know i, I think no he's a big fan I, i know he's a big fan of yours yeah so that's that's why he was like you know hey i mentioned your name you know we're, we're looking for a new you know singer and all that but but you know when that didn't happen and i think for for a moment they had Mart martin you know uh Martin, right? Was his name Ma martin lacroix yes. yeah 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 so martin martin stepped uh, you know step in and then you Or maybe I'm I'm mistaking like the timelines there, but whatever. You got the timeline a bit skewed, but it's okay. Uh, but but yeah, when you when you're part of it, I I you know, I I didn't know you much. I know you know I know of your previous bands, but I was like okay. But yeah, uh, when you, when you told me like, hey, can you are you at least uh, interested in in singing on a song and like writing down lyrics? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean. And I'm pretty happy because, you know, to be honest with you, and even though I think you pulled it off, despite what people might think, I think the album still works on it uh, on its own right. It's just like maybe as a cryptopsy record, it's kind of uh, it's kind of out of place. But but the, the, this song, this particular song, is so fucking brutal. I mean, it's one of the brutal songs on the record. So I was, I was very happy to be part of it. You know? It was great. It was fun, and I was super happy to have you there. Let's just wrap this up on uh, when is Blight's new record coming out? Uh, I believe you told me that you found a record label. Let's just wrap that up. Uh, wrap this up on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, man. Um, uh, so you, we did find a label. It took forever. Uh, even recording the album took forever, but that's another thing because we had like a lot of like uh, little problems here and there. But uh, my my drummer like uh, broke is. Is um, his leg actually during a Satyricon concert really? not too long ago, like maybe like a, a year or two ago, not even. Uh, yeah, he, he broke out like, hey, somebody fell on him during like a mosh pit thing and he just ended up in the hospital, you know, with the, just like uh, his femur was split in half. Jesus. So that that was uh, so, so, so like the order in which we recorded the instrument was kind of like all out of place. But, you know, to go back to Dominic real quick, uh, Dominic is like an old time friend from back in his, uh, the last felony when he was the, in the last felony. Why? Well, because their bass player, Sebastian Pinchot, 
was the bass player in Vatican, That's right. was the, the, the secondary player, uh, guitar player in, in, on Quintessence for, for some time, and was the bass player of Trails of Anguish. All my old school stuff. You know, the guy's been around forever. He's been part of pretty much all of my uh, musical career. He's been, he's been uh, the, the bass player uh, on the demo of Iron Dissonance. He's been the bass player in Vatican. So, so yeah, he's been around. So because of him, when he joined The Last Felony, I got to meet the other guys. And we, we, we became all good friends, you know, like, uh, and uh, especially Dominic and Vincent. Uh, Vincent, Vincent Menal from Messarem now, you know, like who's the brewer of Messarem. Yes. Shout out to Messarem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we had a long story behind that, too, uh, in which I'm, uh, I was somewhat of a part of before Messarem, but still. Uh, and and uh, yeah, and Dom, like we, we, we became like real good friends. And I mean, like he doesn't leave far from, you know, I, I, I'll end up at this place like drinking uh, and having fun. And of course, the guy is so talented. I fucking musically speaking, yeah. But you know, oh, by the way, he was in the revival of the Vatican. He was playing guitar. Uh, he didn't compose much. I think he wrote one song, which never saw the light of day, unfortunately. But still, um, so he was like, he was getting better and better. And I was like, everything you record sounds like a ton of brick. I was like, we should do something together. And he was like, yeah, okay, well, and and this is officially his first full length record, completely recorded by himself too, and. He did us such a favor, like handling everything. And he, his, his job is fantastic because, you know, no disrespect to anybody else who do it differently, but there's a certain pristine sound that's very in vogue, you know, with bigger bands. And you know, it needs to sound big, but it sounds almost too perfect, you know. And we didn't want that because, like, our band is nasty and it's fucking, like, it's fucking black metal. So it needs to have this crunch, right? And he was, like, that the perfect measure, that perfect you know, uh, kind of like harmony is, is very much what he hit, I think. And uh, it was very important for us because that album, it felt, was almost 20 years in making when you think of, of about it, when we first met with the guys and now that we know our sound, it took forever and the songs are so well woven together. It's, it's by far the album that I'm most proud of, vocally speaking. And it's also something that people will not know, but just the sheer aggressiveness that I was able to deliver on this, I was even it even surprised myself because it felt way more mature than everything else. But since we don't jam as much and we're not as active as a band, as I, I, I was kind of afraid I couldn't deliver maybe or something like that. But more so on the new parts, because I wanted to include cleaner vocals, kind of like what you did, right? But... Uh, it was kind of like a, a big question in my mind, how to incorporate that without it sounding too cheesy and, and, and not wanting to go the route of, of other bands like Emperor, who did like very operatic kind of like this. And I was like, no, this this never been me. If, if I, wa I wasn't going to go the route of extreme metal, I would have gone, gone the route of Alice in Chain type alternative rock almost, right? Because that was that's part of my background. That's part of like the bands I used to jam and very much enjoy. So, uh, you know that kind of like rock feel to the vocals. So I was like, how can I incorporate this 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 clean singing type, so to speak, with the the more aggressive vocal to make something very powerful? So I did that on the record, and more so, I added some of the stuff that you know caters more to my interest in the occult and the esotericism in general, which is more mantra-like or religious liturgy, kind of like clean singing. And lo and behold, it, it, it really felt like I, I could pull it off, uh, you know, pretty good, you know. And I, I didn't know I had it in me. I didn't know I could, could deliver that. And uh, shout out to Chris Donaldson again, because he helped us out on this to make sure that the recording was proper and he's so used to like working with people who actually know how to sing well uh, despite to like in spite of me just being like uh, in my place just you know singing in front of the computer <laughs> um I, I i won't record my vocals with anyone else yeah <laughs> see exactly it's fucking it's amazing so so the the job he did just for that kind of helped uh you know dominic kind of finished the job and and yeah the end result like just blew us off you know completely out of the water we're so fucking happy and then after months of discussion with a, f a few labels things fell apart you know some we wanted a label that would understand that we were not going to be the band that would tour all the time that would be super fucking active either but who would still like take a chance on us and kind of like you know uh, you know push the album anyway 
uh, and Zwart Record just happened to dig the album a lot. And that was yet again, like you, I, w- I would say surprising, but more so I f- we felt a lot of like pride and, and kind of like being, we were humbled by the whole thing because Zwart Record is a, is a record label I absolutely respect because of their openness musically, you know, super open musically. They have a wide reach. They have means to uh, create, you know, good records. And uh, as far as like metal or even non-metal material, there's a lot of like good stuff on there that I actually love a lot. Like bands like The Dead Trip, bands like X Vessel. Uh, These bands, like I'm a huge fan of. So like to know that was like gonna share a platform, so to speak, via their label with these acts, I was like, whoa, this is this is amazing. Also knowing that as a label, they're not prone to sign a lot of metal bands anymore because they, they're blasé about it and they don't think something like a lot of things come out of the woodwork being original of sorts. And yeah, they they, they, they think we we do. So <laughs> so it's pretty fucking awesome. Like the, the album is called Temple of Wounds. We've been uh, at, we started promoting it not even last month. Uh, with the first, uh, you know, track called The Violent Light. And we did a video, a lyric video for it. And there's another one coming uh, beginning of May that's kind of, uh, from the track uh, Elsewhere and Elsewhere. And, uh, and you know, this is all leading up to the release in, in June 5th uh, on Svart Record in double LP because, like, the album is pretty long. The, the album is, like, 50-something minutes. But also there's a there's a bonus track and a dark ambient track by uh, like my my cousin is a dark ambient band called Lim and he did a track for us and it's bonus material for uh, for customers who purchase like the fans who will purchase the double LP but you know the CD is still like a very uh, 50 minute long. That all sounds amazing and I can't wait to hear it all. I can't wait to dive in. You should send me it. I'll, uh, I want to, I want to dive in. Yeah, I will. Uh, Gabriel, thank you so much for coming, sharing a craft beer with me, talking about your life, your music. Uh, I'm a fan. I always have been, and I can't wait, as I just said, to, to hear this new record. Uh, huge cheers. Uh, I really, really am happy that you're here. Cheers, brother. Hey, cheers to you, man. And long life, uh, Vox and Hops. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. It's always great to sit down with, with someone who helped build the scene that you grew up listening to. So much fun to go back and talk about those old times in Montreal. I absolutely love doing episodes like this. Everybody should go check out that new Light record, which is dropping on June 5th via Fart Records. It's a great fucking record, and I suggest that you pick it up and listen to it. It's a fucking banger. Tomorrow is Thursday, and that means another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I love these. I have put the link in the description of this podcast. It is the same link every week. It is a reoccurring meeting, so you can keep that link and use it and join us every week. Or join us when you can. Grab some craft beer. You don't have to drink, though. Keep that in mind. You can just come and hang out. We talk about metal. We talk about life. And we drink some craft beer. It's lots of fun. So I have one more episode coming this week, and it's on Friday. Super stoked. But until then, remember to enjoy life. Life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hopsets. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.